And we're calling it the Tangible Kingdom. And uh, it's been an awesome first week. We just had our first week of uh, going through a little book with a paper cover. We're spending time each day with God, learning a little bit about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and we had groups this week, very first week, where we started to process what we're learning about Jesus and what it means to follow him. And we had six groups meet this week, two on Monday, two on Wednesday, two on Thursday. You guys enjoy your, your small group with this week? Was that good? Yeah, it was good, right? Uh, we, we actually had, get this, more people meeting in small groups last week than we typically have adults on a Sunday morning. Isn't that pretty awesome? So there's, this is a big thing we're doing together as a church. Last week we asked this question in week one, what is missional? That's kind of a big word. What is missional? And what we said is that the moment you say yes to Jesus, and you invite him into your life, you get a mission. God invites you into a why, into a purpose for your life. You remember uh, Jesus, what he said? In John chapter 21, he said, As the Father has sent me, so I now send what? You. So you have been sent. Our God is a sending God. He's a missional God. He sends you, and our response is to go. And so what we've been talking about is how can we leave some things behind to move into the lives of some people that Jesus is asking us to love? We ask this question. Where might our missional God be calling or sending you? That is such a powerful question for every one of us here in this room today. God has a purpose for your life, a reason for your life. And he's sending you to impact the lives of some people. That was week one. Today, week two, we're, we're asking this question. It's another important question. And it's the question, what is incarnational? Brian, what's with these big crazy words? I don't know. How many of you have heard this word incarnation? Anybody, you've heard it, but maybe it's a bit fuzzy. Yeah, we, we usually hear this word around Christmas time, the incarnation of Jesus. And incarnation is this word, I really believe it is, it's the primary and I think maybe the most important doctrine about Jesus. And it's this amazing idea that in Jesus, let's define this. What is incarnational? One of the most important doctrines about Jesus. Incarnation literally means to take on flesh. And it's this amazing idea that in Jesus, God comes into our world by taking on human flesh. Isn't that this amazing idea? That God doesn't stay at a distance. He actually comes into our world by, by taking on humanity. And so what we're learning in our primer this week... Oh, goodness. John 1.14. Got a scripture this, huh? John 1.14, this is the verse on the incarnation. The Word. Who's the Word? Somebody help me out. Who's the Word? Jesus. Good. The Word became flesh, incarnation, and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory. Glory of the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Incarnation literally means to take on flesh. It's how Jesus comes to us by becoming human. And so what we learn in the primer is that if mission means to go, then incarnation is how we go. If mission means to go, then incarnation is how we go. It's like two wheels on a bike. Years ago, my brother had a girlfriend. This is a long time ago. And uh, she ended up in, in juvie, juvenile detention. And I had never met this girlfriend, never talked to her, had any conversation. But my mom thought it would be a great idea if she made an appointment for me to go to the juvenile detention center to tell this girl about Jesus. Thanks, Mom. Thank you for that. So I did. I go to the juvenile detention center. I've never met this girl, never talked to her at all. And it's just like you imagine. I showed up at the juvenile detention center. She comes out in her full uniform. It's, you know, the glass. She's on one side. I'm on one side. Hi, my name's Brian. And my mom sent me to tell you about Jesus. So I did. And um, I had learned this this uh, illustration, it's called the bridge. You guys heard that? The bridge illustration. And so I start walking her through the bridge. You know, here's God, here's you. Sin separates you from God. But Jesus, he's the bridge that connects us, reconnects us to God. And she's crying. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. It's working, you know, the bridge. Yes, tears are coming down her eyes. But then I start to realize she's not crying because she wants Jesus in her life. She's literally crying because she can't get away from me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She is stuck in this chair and she's just like ready to leave. She's crying. And I think so often this is what, this is evangelism training, right? We interrupt people and we force this conversation about our beliefs with people we don't have a relationship with. Uh, maybe it's putting our, our finger in somebody's chest and, you know, telling them about their sin or legislating against certain people. Or it's that, that person who goes to a restaurant, instead of leaving a tip, they leave a gospel track. And we go we start to wonder, why isn't this working? And the reason none of this works is because that's not the way that Jesus came into our world. Jesus actually came into our world in a way where he became human with people. He entered their story. And that's the power of this idea of incarnational. Jesus isn't just launching truth bombs from on high. He actually comes to be human with us and to enter our story. This is what our, our primer says, um, which we'll read this week. It's how, how our, uh, our primer defines it. It says, if missional means to go, incarnational is about how you go. And how we go is actually very important. And what people see as you go People see Jesus in us. It encompasses your posture, your tone, your motives, and your heart. Incarnation, I underline this, incarnation is critical because it will eventually determine whether or not people want to know you or your God. 
How do we go in the way of Jesus? How do we go in a way where people actually want to know more about this amazing God we love? Because I know when I go, I want people to see Jesus in me, and I know that's your heart too. That's what incarnation is about. So there's a story I want to read to you in John chapter 8. This is the most important incarnational story in the Bible. Um, It's the story of this woman who's caught in adultery. So she's clearly a sinner. She's been caught in the act. And what's amazing is that what Jesus does is so beautiful. It's so human. We actually see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God full of grace and full of truth. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up to John chapter 8. We'll read this story together and we'll dive in. John 8, we'll start in verse 2. This is where we're going to be today in this story. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people had gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the, law, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now. And leave your life of sin. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you would come to us. Human flesh. Thank you for entering our story. And even today I believe that no one is here by accident. You are coming to enter our story. That we might see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I pray that that would happen. In these moments, in Jesus' name. So our question today is, what is incarnational? And I want to start with this idea of incarnation. What is the incarnation? Really simply, the incarnation is how Jesus comes to be with sinners. And by the way, that's me, that's every one of us. Just to clear that up. How Jesus comes to be with us, with sinners. And it's, it's so beautiful how Jesus does that. In John 8, we see a very clear story. There is a woman who is caught in the act of sin, in the act of adultery, and we see how Jesus comes to be with this woman. Now, there are some questions around this story. Uh, It's actually not in the oldest manuscripts, but all scholars agree this is Jesus in every way. It is a powerful, powerful, unforgettable story. 
Jesus is teaching in the temple courts, verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand before the group. Wow, that's intense, right? This is a very dramatic scene. Jesus is doing just what we're doing here now. He is teaching a group of people. And in walks these teachers of the law. They are dragging in a woman who's just been caught in the act of adultery. Imagine that. And, and Jesus, you know, she comes in. Can you imagine what it would have been like for that woman? Number one, to be caught in that act. And then to be dragged in front of a group of people, you know, maybe barely clothed, maybe holding on to her clothes, just to humiliate her. And she's cast in front of everybody. These teachers of the law begin pointing out her sin. That's the story. And what does, what is this about? Verse 4. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a, such a woman. What do you say, Jesus? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So here's this woman. She's now at the feet of Jesus. She's been caught in sin. She's truly sinned. Caught in the act of adultery. And we go, hold on, hold on. Where's the man? You ever think about that? Yeah, where is the man? That's a great question. And we begin to realize this isn't about righteousness, is it? This isn't just even about the law. These guys are setting a trap for Jesus to discredit his ministry. That's what this is about. And the teachers of the law begin to point out a commandment in the Old Testament that says if someone is caught in the act of, of adultery, it literally would require them to pick, out, pick up stones and to begin to kill this woman. It's a trap for Jesus. It's lose-lose. If he says, no, we're not going to stone this woman, he's going against the Bible. He's going against the word of God. That's, that doesn't look good for Jesus. But yet if he says, yes, pick up stones... Doesn't that go against everything Jesus came to represent? You think about the brutality of that. Picking up stones to kill this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. It's lose-lose for Jesus. Everybody's going, Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? The first thing Jesus does, I love this. He's actually, before he deals with a woman caught in sin, he's actually going to deal with the accusers. It's pretty awesome. Verse 6, it says, Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, can you just hear him? What are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to do? The woman got stones. What are you going to do? He just bends down. He straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So everybody wants to know, this is an intense moment. Jesus, what are you going to do with this woman who's caught in sin? And Jesus actually stoops down. 
Can you imagine that? What are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to do? And he's just like, is he thinking about it? What's he doing down there? And he starts writing in the sand. And people wonder, what, what is he actually writing in the sand? Wouldn't you like to know? I'd like to know. And the story doesn't tell us. But I can imagine if there's a woman who's about, she's thinking she's about to be stoned to death. And I just imagine her covering her head, crying in tears, panicking, struggling to breathe. I just imagine Jesus getting down next to this woman and riding in the sand. And so they kept questioning, what are you going to do, Jesus? And in a powerful moment, he stands up and he says, whoever here is without sin, let them cast the first stone. And then he gets down again. I believe next to this woman. God with us. Incarnation. It's how Christ comes to be with sinners. Isn't that powerful? And this is what begins to happen. Scripture tells us in John 8, 8, Scripture tells us that they begin to walk away, each one. At this, those who, began, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with a woman, standing, woman still standing there. John 8, 9. So she stands up and Jesus gets to have a conversation with her. It's a beautiful moment. Verse 10. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Isn't that amazing? At the very end of the story, there's only one person standing there. All this woman's accusers are gone. Isn't that what Jesus does? Doesn't he take away the accusation against us? There's only one left. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Who is that? Who's the one left? It's Jesus. He's without sin. And he has every right to cast that first stone. But does he? No. He doesn't cast a stone. He kneels. He loves. He takes away the accusation. And he says to this woman, neither do I condemn you. That is the radical grace of Jesus. Neither do I condemn you. Wow. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. But we could look at this from another angle. He doesn't condemn her. But does Jesus ever condone sin? Hey, that's cool. No big deal. Adultery. Not a problem. I got that covered. It's very interesting because Jesus, in a way that only Jesus can do, actually speaks truth to everyone in the room. He actually calls out everybody's sin. Did you catch that? Let him who's without sin cast the first stone. And the story tells us that people started to walk away beginning with the older ones. And I believe that's because the older ones have the maturity to go, hey, you know what, Jesus, you're right. There is sin in my heart. 
And you know what, Jesus, you're right. There is sin in my heart. And we all sin. And Jesus actually speaks truth to everyone in the room. And then, and only after saying, neither do I condemn you, only after speaking a word of grace does Jesus then speak truth to this woman and says, go and now leave your life of sin. Isn't it amazing how Jesus comes to the world? Neither condemning nor condoning, he comes to be with us. That's the incarnation. How Jesus comes to be with sinners. And that's what the cross is all about. The cross is the ultimate expression of the incarnation. Because in the cross, Jesus takes all the condemnation. Why? So he can be with sinners forever. That's what the cross is all about. It's Jesus wanting to be with us. It's him loving us, taking away all the accusation. And what the Bible says is that those who put their trust in Jesus actually receive the same two gifts that this woman received. They receive the gift of no condemnation. Isn't that a beautiful gift? Those who trust in Jesus receive the gift of no condemnation, and they are empowered to go live an incredible new life. Go leave your life of sin. That is the grace of God and the truth of God that we experience in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? That's what the incarnation is all about. That's what Jesus is all about. It's how he comes to be with sinners full of grace and truth. And so our question this week, for those of you on this adventure, or just maybe you're here today and you're going, what, what does this mean for how I live in the world? And that's what this word incarnational is all about. Incarnation is how Jesus comes to be with sinners. Incarnational is how we begin to enflesh Jesus to the world. So those of you here today who have a relationship with Christ, you're following Jesus. Incarnational is how we enflesh Jesus to the world. It's how the world sees Jesus in us. 1 John 2.6 says, Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In other words, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, then you, your life ought to look like Jesus' life. And those of you who are here today and, and you're not a Christian, this is what you've been saying about Christians the whole time. And it's exactly what the Bible is saying to us. And that's what this chapter on incarnational is really all about. It's how, it's not just how we go, but it's how do we go in the way of Jesus. Because Jesus didn't pick up rocks, did he? That's not how he went. He came to our world humanly, kneeling with a cross on his back. And sometimes <laughs> it's not just about saying the truth. Sometimes it's about saying truth in a way that people can receive. And I believe that if we will go in the Jesus way, people are going to want to know about this Jesus. I want to know about the Jesus that I just read about in this story. So how do we enflesh Jesus to the world around us? I've got three quick thoughts. Number one, how we enflesh Jesus to the world around us, it's love for people, isn't it? Jesus came to our world because he 
loves people. And maybe the number one work that God wants to do in my heart today, in your heart today, is to stir up a love for people. Because if we love people, our heart is going to break for those who don't, aren't experiencing the blessing of a relationship with God, isn't it? And Jesus wins the heart of this woman. Why? Not because he condemns her, because he loves her. So one of the ways we enflesh Jesus to the world around us is our heart begins to break for those who aren't walking with God, just like Jesus. Number two, love people. Number two, be with people. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's the beauty of the incarnation. Jesus comes to the world to be with sinners. And so if we're going to reach people, then we're going to reach people the way Jesus reached people. We could literally go door to door around this neighborhood, knock on the door and hand out tracts. I've done that. That's fun. Get some doors slammed in your face. We could do that. We could, um, I don't know, I think we should have the coolest float in the Hapro Parade. Let's do this. Big float. I've done these things. I've tried these things. You know what we really need to do? We just need to be with people. If we're going to reach people, we need to be with people. Right? To do a deep dive into the stories of some people who really need Jesus. We love people, we be with people. Number three, grace and truth. John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and... It's not just grace, is it? It's not just grace. There is truth. It's not just truth either, is it? Jesus came to the world just truth? No. It's not just grace. It's not just truth. Let me ask you this. Did he come full of truth and grace in that order? It's not just truth and grace. Like truth, 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 and then I'll give you some grace. Is that how Jesus came? No. He came full of Grace, think about this woman. Grace, neither do I condemn you. And truth, go, leave your life of sin. That's how Jesus came to our world. That's what the incarnation is about. This is something Paul Tripp calls love, no, speak, do. And, um, and this is just so powerful. If there's, if there's anything just tangible that I could teach you today, it's these four words as you begin to interact with people. It's these words, love, no, speak, do, from Paul Tripp. And this is really one of our philosophies here of how we want to, to love people and reach people. It's, it's the banners, care, transformation. So what does love, no, speak, do? It means first, we love people. We get to know people. 
and then we've earned a right to speak into their life and to say things like, go and leave your life of sin. You know, I actually believe that woman that day received that from Jesus because of the way Jesus had loved her and entered her story. So we we love people. We get to know people by entering their story. And then we speak. Yes, we speak. We talk about Jesus. We invite them to give their lives to Christ. We share the gospel. Yes, we do all those things. And we say, hey, come do something differently with your life. But this, this is the Jesus way. Full of grace and full of truth. Whole lot of grace, whole lot of truth. How many of you know that just a little grace opens up a whole lot of room for truth? Yeah. So incarnational, real simple. Incarnation is how Jesus comes to be with sinners. Incarnational is how we enflesh Jesus to the world around us. It's, it's our heart, our posture, how people see Jesus in us. So what's our action step? Each week in our course, and this is again part of our, our workbook, part of our journey and our adventure, each week we get an action step. It's how we put into action the things that we're learning. And our action step for last week was to cross the street or cross the fence and have a conversation with someone. It's this idea of go. And um, I don't know about you, but that action step brings me to a place of prayer. Okay, God, help me. I need, you know, your help. Well, had an amazing conversation with my neighbor across the street. So had that opportunity. I hope you guys take a chance to go. Um, Just like that action step from last week. Okay, but this week's challenge is to, what I'm calling is see and bless. It's going to help us put into action incarnation. See and bless. Here's what it says in the primer. This is interesting. Spend some time today in a shopping mall, uh, a downtown cafe, or a coffee shop that overlooks a busy crosswalk, a popular park, or a college campus area. You can actually do this. Just find a spot to watch people. Listen to this. Simply sit and look at the faces that go past you. How often do we actually look at the faces of people going by us? Imagine some of the things that might make up their life stories. Sadness, abuse, abandonment, broken relationships, sexual mistakes, unemployment fears, lack of purpose, broken marriages, Deep debt, bankruptcy, loneliness, despair, pressure to measure up, desire for community, searching for God, parents who haven't understood or cared for their children well, then he says, pray for them. See their faces, pray for them. And then here's the action. Bless one person without any strings attached and without trying to talk about God or getting any acknowledgement. That's an invitation to the incarnational way. It's learning how to do what Jesus did. To see, see people. To love, enter their story, and to bless. It's the beginning of us stepping into this life of Jesus. I want to close with a story. Um, Paul Tripp, who we talked about earlier, he tells a really powerful story. Some of you, I'm sure, have heard it. 
This was three weeks after the, the towers fell in New York City. And Paul Tripp was having a conversation with a man. This man was a manager at the, there was a restaurant, a top of the world restaurant, I think is what it was called, one, top of one of those towers. And this manager actually wasn't there that day that the towers fell. And you can just imagine in the weeks after that attack, this guy started going to funeral after funeral after funeral for all these employees, people he had known and worked with. Well, as he's having this conversation with Paul Tripp, he begins to tell Paul about the grief. And he says, he just begins to talk about this grief. He says, all these years, I've worked with all these people. I have 250 employees. And I will tell you, he says, the, the grief, I never saw people as people. I saw him as a busboy. I saw her as a host, a waitress, a cook. He says, but I never saw people as people around me. And he says, you know what? He's gone to all these funerals. He's sat with moms and dads and wives and husbands. He's heard the stories of their life. And he says, now I see people as people. But it's too late. What would happen if we began to see people as people? To see the faces of those who are all around us. To love them the way that Jesus loves them to enter their story, to engage people as people. That's how Jesus comes to our world. He comes to our world in a way that's human. Maybe for you, it's the neighbor that you see out there, or it's, it's the patient that you're helping in that moment. Maybe it's a parent that's always standing next to you at soccer practice. What if we just saw people as people, just the way Jesus did? And we began to love them, know them, speak into their lives, invite them into a way of life that is just incredible. That's the Jesus way. That's the incarnational way. We see people. We love people. We know people. What Angie and I have found is we've just begun this adventure. Said if we'll do this, if we'll see people as people, if we'll engage people as people, it is amazing because you'll never lack an opportunity to help Jesus to become real to someone in your life. And what's incredible is that those in our life that maybe we weren't sure they were ready to hear that, they begin to be open to receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. God, thanks for today and, and just, wow, what a, what a powerful moment this has been. I think it's hitting each of us maybe in a different way of just this idea that Jesus, you come and you take away all the accusation against us. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't condemn us because of our sin. But that you kneeled. You took the posture of a servant. You bore the cross on your back, the nails. And you took the condemnation that we deserved. Thank you, Jesus, for all of that. For rising from the dead and giving us an opportunity with you to have a whole new kind of life. We want to say yes to that today. Jesus, thank you. Yes. I want to follow you. 
But I just pray as we follow you, Lord, that we would, we would love people in a powerful way this week. Help us to see the faces of people around us and to begin, begin to break our hearts for the lostness that we see in the eyes of people, for the brokenness that we see in the eyes of people. Send us in, Lord, to be servants, to, to bless God. Bless because we have been blessed by you. Come, Jesus, change our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.